0: Uh, I'm talking about faith, righteousness, uh, the power of innocence. And, you know, to be honest, um, with uh, preparing this message today, um, you know, it's always an interesting process of preparing a message of what you're going to talk about and what you're going to share. And, you know, as I woke up this morning... I went for a walk just to try and get some clarity. And the Lord told me this about righteousness. Righteousness, when we're talking about faith righteousness, righteousness is the restoration back to intimacy with our Father. Righteousness is the restoration being brought back near to His heart. You know, that's what God has always been about. God has always been about bringing us back to his heart. I mean, he's a father. That's, that's what it is from the beginning. And we're going to kind of journey from the beginning of Adam and Eve all the way to where we are now, that it's always been in God's heart to bring us near to him. You know, what we're going to discover today is that faith righteousness, you know, it's just not a fancy, it's not just a fancy word But what it has is the power to be immovable, unshakable through any situation, through any feelings or emotion that life throws at us. Faith righteousness is in the establishment of who we were in the very beginning, being restored back to our innocence. That's the place that we belong. We don't belong any other place. We've been trained by a world by all these different things that are anti-gospel and anti-image of who we are. God is love. That's what the Word says. And the Word says that we were created in His image. And so any time that we live apart from love, We're not walking in His image. But there's a grace and there's His life that He died to give us this special life. You know, I was just thinking about when we were taking communion. You know, I just had this pop up in my heart. You know, when when Jesus was breaking the bread with His disciples, I think there's a part of that story that we really don't think about. How amazing is this? That Jesus The night before he's to be crucified, Jesus is throwing a dinner party. Think about it. Really? Think about it. You know, he's not not laying out his, his anguishes. He's not laying out, man, I've done all this for all these people. I've healed their sick. I've I've cleansed people. I've I've given the word. I've offered forgiveness. And they're going to crucify me. It's amazing. And he goes even beyond that, and he washes their feet. And you know who you know who is a part of that crowd that he's washing? Judas. <laughs> he's washing Judas's feet. How remarkable is that? That Jesus, Jesus. he completely identified his image with his Father. Jesus said, follow me, right? If Jesus said, follow me, is it possible that we can actually walk in his form of attributes of love and kindness and mercy, not only for ourselves, but for other people? You know, there's a verse that says that we regard no one after the flesh, but we regard them after the spirit. Well, we first, before we can regard no one after the flesh, we have to first look at ourselves and regard ourselves not after the flesh. How can we not regard others after the flesh when we continue to regard ourselves after the flesh? And so this faith righteousness, this is a journey of restoration, of being restored back to the power of innocence. You know, when it talks about having faith like a child. You know, a child, normally, my children, they're not self-conscious. <laughs> you know? They don't they don't have all these same feelings that we are trained to have and to and to look within. It's just it's innocence, right? It's and it's, it's It it does something, it bursts something in our hearts to see that innocence. And, And, you know, more than anything, I believe that each one of us can grab a hold of the innocence that was paid for his blood. Our chains are gone. That's innocence. That's being restored back to the original intent that we were made to live. And so I believe that our hearts are being awakened to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel in a way that absolutely transforms our life. Because that's what it's about. It's about being transformed into his very image. It's about being transformed into the image of love, being restored into hope. You know, hope is not just, It's not just wishful thinking. It's not something that we just, we try to cling to. Hope is a confident expectation in who he is. And I believe that we can walk confident in who God has called us to be. Each and every one of us is a child of God with a plan, a purpose, and a calling. We have So much potential on the inside of us. It's waiting to explode out of us. Waiting. And I believe it's through an understanding of faith righteousness. I'm not just talking about just getting some good old information. You know, honestly, everything that I will talk about you know, really, everything that we do talk about, it's only accessible through intimacy. What is intimacy? It's relationship. You know, I was trying to think about how do you... Because in my life, I, I that's thats established, and I want to continue to grow in that. And I'm thinking, how how do I communicate, how do I share with people what intimacy looks like? You know, I could write a book. I could... <laughs> I, I could do lots of different things, but I but I'm thinking I, I was out there at the lake this morning, and I and I see the the geese and the little geese, and what do they do? They follow in a straight line behind the mom. Now, did those geese, those little baby geese, did they did they go read a book on how to follow? Were they were they trained? I don't even think they were trained. I think they came out literally. They knew what to do. It is in our nature. It's in our hearts to follow God with absolute, complete devotion. It is. Like you're not. We're not a sorry sinner. I don't care if we're the sorriest saint on the planet. Like it's awesome. right? And so you know, these little ducklings, nobody taught them how to follow. It's in their nature. Say, it's in my nature, it's in my nature. to follow God. Follow God. Amen? Right. It's simple. You know, we see what happens is when we get older, and there absolutely, there is a place. For logic, there's a place for reasoning. But there is a detriment. There's a detriment in the body of Christ when we complicate things that are simple, meant to be simple. It's called analytical thinking. We we, we reason, we reason, and then we build doctrines on life experiences of what truth is. And that's why we have 22,000 different denominations is because we've reasoned what the word says instead of just believing the word for what it says you know we've been walking through this whole um, we've been doing a Bible study called Spirit soul and body and there is a huge there's a huge detriment and a great difference between what we as believers are experiencing in the word and what the word says and you know it's understanding the truth of who he is, what he's done, and what's on the inside of us, that we can eliminate a lot of those frustrations. And am I saying it's gonna be perfect? Am I saying that's all gonna work out perfectly? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm what I'm trying to do, my heart is to pull the cu- the curtain so far back that God is just completely exposed for who he is and what's available to each one of us. Like we don't just have to. We don't just have to, well, you know, you know just creak that curtain just, just so we can get a little bit in. No, you know, the song is like, I don't, you know, I'll never know how much it cost, you know, you know, to see my sin upon the cross, you know, that song. We ought to know how much it cost. We have to know how much it cost. If we don't know how much it costs, we will not have the victory that we need to, to not just, not just to make it, but to thrive. In this life, to thrive what we've been given, rise up to another, to a place of, I mean, look at the disciples. We talked about it, Clint talked about it last week, about Peter, the transition that he went through from denying Jesus to being filled with the Holy Spirit and being an absolute fanatical witness for him. In the face of what was, you know... Absolute trouble. But the Holy Spirit inspired him to completely devote his life to him, not worrying about his own life. And so today I want to talk about we were without power. And so I'm going to kind of frame up a little bit of talking about faith righteousness. How much time do I have? I got enough time. I'm good. All right. So we're going to go into Romans 5. Y'all want to read the word? Let's read the word. Romans 5, 6. I'm going to pull it up on here just so I can follow along as well. Romans 5, 6. All right. It says, um, you see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And so this is just painting a picture. And this is why I feel in my heart to kind of go back to this. You can go back to this in Ephesians 2 where it says, We were dead in our trespasses, once walking according to the course of this world. It talks about it in Romans 1. You know, sometimes we like to skip over those things, you know, where it talks about where we used to be. But we ought to know where we used to be so we can know where we're going, right? And so it gives, it gives me such a sense of gratitude. It gives me such a, a sense of thankfulness to, become, to understand where I was so I know who I am now, right? And so it says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless. There was a time in our life that we were powerless. Before Jesus, if you don't have any power in your life and you need Jesus Accept them right now. Receive them into your heart. Christ died for the ungodly. Say, Christ died for the ungodly. It says it like this in the Amplified. While we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our salvation, at the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. There was nothing that we, we, we could do. We were completely helpless we were in a pit without him. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Now, I actually taught this to our teenagers uh, Wednesday, but I actually taught it wrong. (laughs) And, And I just didn't understand. When it says it talks about in this verse about a righteous person. I always viewed the righteous person as being better than the good person. Would you think that? But what it's what it's actually saying it talks about a righteous person. So a righteous person is somebody who's just somebody who follows the rules, right? They kind of y'all know some rule followers. You just kind of you kind of live in your bubble. You kind of, you you never go above the speed limit. You're always stopping at all the stop signs. You're following all the rules. Let's just think of it in, in terms of traffic violations. They're never, they never have a speeding ticket. You know, they observe it. They're good. But a good person is somebody who's kind, is somebody who's generous, who's somebody who uh, is selfless, somebody who's giving to others. And so... What it's saying, if we were gonna just think of it in terms, we have this kind of like this goodness scale. Sometimes, you know, on a zero to ten, like who's a who's a ten in here? Who's a ten? You are in Jesus. You're a ten in Jesus. Amen. You gotta raise your hand. Uh, so very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Let's call the righteous person a five or a six. Okay, you with me? So very rarely will anyone die for a five or six. Like. Okay, you gotta, man. You need to be better than a five or six for me to give my life for you, right? So, though for a good person, let's call the good person an eight or a nine. Okay, might possibly dare to die. So it's more favorable that somebody would die for a for an eight or nine, right? Than for a five or six. Can we all agree on that? The person's better that we would we would. So when I think of terms, I was reading this one day, and honestly, I just I got very emotional because I started to think about the significance of what it means uh, to lay our life down. You know, right now I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and a one-year-old, uh, Hannah Joy. She just turned one. <laughs> and um, I'm a blessed man. I have an awesome, amazing wife. She's back there serving with the kids now. And uh, she, I have an amazing wife. She is the best. Um, she's super mom, really. You have no idea. My wife is super mom. She like tackles everything, takes two, the the two kids and works here at the church and works another job and was going to Bible college all at the same time. Super mom. So I love love you, honey. Um, um, But I was reading this and I was thinking about the significance of what it means to lay our life down, you know. I'm thinking about dying for this five or six, right? If I'm going to sacrifice my children, like to be apart from my children, my daughters, who I just love so much, be separated from my wife and to be separated from my family, I just started to really, you know, we should think about things, like get deep into thinking about what what it really means for our own lives, you know, that's the power of really this being transformed, having transformation in our life is to insert our lives into the Bible. What a novel concept. Um, But I started to think about this, you know, being separated from all my loved ones, and I'm thinking about if I'm going to do this for, I don't want to do this for a five or six, you know what I mean? I'm just being real, like, if I want to do it for somebody, they, you know, they better be an outstanding person. They better be an eight or nine, or hopefully a 10. But it says this. It says um, uh, in verse eight, but God, y'all say but God. but God. That is a good thing to say, but God. But God demonstrates his own love For us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, none of us were fives or sixes, none of us were sevens or eights. We were all zeros. And and listen, don't don't hear me when I'm saying we're zeros, like you get, like we're children of God. That's not in our image, that's not who we are. But I'm saying, apart from Him, there is nothing good in us. Everything that God made, he said, it is good. And we fell away from God because of Adam's sin. It's in Romans 5. It talks about because of his sin, we all sinned. We all were thrown in the whole lump of being made sinners because of one man's disobedience. All It's all Romans 5. And so when we had nothing to offer, when we're powerless, you know, we're not, we're not the fives or sevens, the eight or nines. God demonstrates. I love that word, demonstrates. It's an action verb. He, he demonstrates his love, not with just words, but laying his life down. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified, say justified, by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He's just saying that now that you've been saved, now that you've been justified, if he loved you when you had nothing, when you were apart from him, how much more does he love you? How much more will he save you? How much more will he bring you peace? How much more will he bring you rescue? How much more will he give you Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. How much more? It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful gospel that we have. How much more will he do? It says, um, so we were without power. So we're going to go to um, Romans Romans 1.16. Or the gospel, let's go back. The gospel, say the gospel has the power we need. So Romans one sixteen says this. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Verse 17 for in the gospel say in the gospel, in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith another translation say the just shall live by faith and so we understand from this that first of all Paul is saying I'm not ashamed of I'm not ashamed of the gospel like there is no shame in me Boy, I am fanatical about this thing. I, you're gonna see like how fanatical he is. That's kind of where we're gonna, we're gonna go through Paul's life and just show you like the context of what really a faith righteousness really means for somebody like Paul. To say, you know what, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for in it is the power. The power for what? What is the power for? Is it just the power to perform miracles, signs, and wonders? That's definitely a part of it, but is it something deeper? Is it something more of what he's talking about, this power? So he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power, and in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So he's saying the gospel is powerful And in this gospel, you will find out who you really are. You'll find that you justified. That word justified means just as if you never sinned. It's to be rendered innocent. It's to be rendered righteous in his sight. So here we're going to dive into... um, I want to say this. Faith righteousness isn't just forgiveness of sins. It's the empowerment to live as if you never ate of the tree. Like, it's great for us to understand our forgiveness. It's great to understand that all our sins were washed away. But there is an empowerment on the inside of us to live from the beginning, completely restored. You know, so Adam and Eve, it said they were naked and not ashamed. They didn't see their nakedness. They weren't, it says, some translations say they weren't aware. But it says when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they became aware of their nakedness shame entered in self-consciousness condemnation all these things that we say are part of the world it's not a part we're we're there's something for us to to live into to grow into and it says when so When they ate of the tree, this is what happened. it's, It's so powerful. You know that God didn't create Eve out of Adam's need? Think about it. God created Eve out of Adam's fullness. You know, the whole thing about be fruitful and multiply... It's not just go have a bunch of kids, if you know what I'm saying. It's not just that. Be fruitful and multiply is regarding his image. You were made in my image, the image of love. Now go multiply who I am to the world. Go tell the world who I am. Don't just go have a bunch of kids. but multiply my image. Let people see who I am, that I walk with you in the cool of the day. That I, We have fellowship. We have, there's this unreserved intimacy, this union between us that nothing can separate. And so what happened is Satan came in the form of a snake and he, he deceived Eve. And he deceived Adam. And when they ate of the tree, they were connected to the vine. But when they ate of the tree, they were the branch that fell off. And in that moment, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became in need. See, God always desired for us to be fulfilled in him absolutely, completely fulfilled in who he is. And the moment that we eat of the tree, we're saying, I don't, I don't need you, God. I, or, or whatever goes on in our feelings or whatever separates us, we, we get cut away from the very thing where we belong from in the beginning. Back, restored back to that innocence of being in complete union with him. So here's Paul's boast. So I'll say it again. Faith, righteousness, it isn't just forgiveness of sins. It's the empowerment to live as if you've never ate of the tree. And and I'll explain kind of more in my own personal life of how that, that truth is affecting me. Paul's boast. So Paul's boast. So remember in context of what we're talking about with faith, righteousness. It's being restored back to who we were. Paul's boasts are in these things, 2 Corinthians 11, 23. These are his boasts. He's boasting about these things. He's not, he's not complaining about these things. What was happening in these verses is that there were coming false apostles and false teachers. They were coming in and and preaching a different Jesus. They were preaching a different message. And these guys would boast about, I guess, the things they would do. And and Paul says, listen, y'all going to try and boast? Listen, I'm going to boast. But I'm going to boast in something completely different than the things that you're boasting in. You're boasting about your preaching and boasting about all these things. Well, I'm going to show you. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Verse twenty-four. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three nights uh, or three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, verse 26. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger. We we tell people to stay away from danger. He says, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. That's a lot of danger, (laughs) I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I know, Paul. I have suffered too with, with my children. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, my kids. I can at least say I've, uh, I've, you know, I've gained one of these things. Uh, I'm not boasting about it, though. So um, I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Man, that sounds like a rough life. Does it not? It sounds really bad. Really, really bad. Uh, Go to this next verse. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 15. And you can read this. This is all in the context of what he just said right now. He says, all this, because he lists uh, numerous times in this book about all the things that he went through, right? And so he has this to say about it. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching More and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Therefore, do not be troubled. Right? Jesus said these words. Don't be troubled by what's going on in the world. Don't be troubled by tribulation. Don't be troubled by these things. For I have overcome the world. What does that mean? (laughs) That means there's something there that we're not always seeing. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I don't think Paul's just faking it. Do y'all think Paul's just faking it? I know, you know, they, they think I'm something, but, you know, I'm going to say something good. He said, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary Troubles. Another version says for our light affliction, talking about in regard to all that that he just went through, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I think there's verse, uh, verse 18. So, say so. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, But what is unseen is eternal. And the reason I just bring all these, I mean, these are hard verses. (laughs) Like these are like challenging verses to read. And I'm not saying that we're called to go do all that. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm trying to share. What I'm trying to share is Paul had a, a, a revelation of faith righteousness And what empowered him to go through everything that he went through was understanding who he was in Christ. Like that is like the significance of of this power, of this empowerment that he could literally, he could walk through trial after trial after trial after trial and instead of being shipwrecked by it, he looked at every time that the devil poked him that it was an opportunity for the light of Jesus to shine. There is a, uh, there's a tenacity, there is a fearlessness, there's, there's an absolute victory and overcoming mentality there that no matter what happens, because we got Jesus on the inside of us, that when I get squeezed, Jesus is going to come out because there's a world that's in darkness and there's a world that's lost and we have the potential and the empowerment on the inside of us to say, do not lose heart. But let's keep our eyes fixed, fixed. It's not, we're not going anywhere else. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No other answer. No other solution. Jesus is the only answer that we have. Why are we surprised by what's going on in the world? They're in darkness. They need somebody to bring them into the light. I mean, if we think about Jesus, you think Jesus would be biting his nails right now? Jesus would say, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Yes. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 3, the very chapter before. He's talking about righteousness. He says, I've been given this ministry of righteousness and the glory that it brings, it'll never depart. He said it's better than the ministry that was given through the law, that this this, uh, ministry wasn't written on tablets of stone, but this ministry has been written on our hearts. We're called to be living epistles, living letters of the goodness of God. We we, We take ownership of of what the Word says. We take ownership of its power and its life, and that doesn't mean that we have to go be super Christian. We don't have to be super Christian. We have a mission field right in our front yard. It's called our family. But all the things that we've been trained by by this world and, and and these beliefs and these lies that we carry about who we are, they 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 keep, they hold us back. They hold us back from living in freedom and living in victory. That's only through Him. So we fix our eyes not as, not on what is seen. We don't look. We don't look what's happening on Facebook and determine that that's going to let the, be the thermometer of what we feel and what we experience in this life. But what is unseen since what is seen is temporary. It's just temporary. It has an expiration date, but the kingdom of God has no expiration date. It's increasing, it's advancing. And again, it doesn't mean that we have to be super Christian. It means that we love the person that's in front of us. That's what it means. It doesn't mean go out. I mean, if God calls you to go live in a tent in Africa, God bless you. That's going to be the happiest place that you're going to be. If he calls you, do we trust him and do we believe that his plans are better than the plans that we might have? Now, of course, your desires are going to line up with his desires as you delight yourself in Him. But you know what I'm saying? We got to believe that what He has for us is good. Believe Him at His word. Believe that He is a good Father and He only wants good for His children. You know, that's sad that that's such a stumbling block for most of the body of Christ. They don't even understand the goodness of God. They say that He's causing all this things that going on in the world absolutely not that's not our father i would never put hurt for my children absolutely not in a million years and god's definition of goodness is different come on you know paul even said you know in philippians he says you know philippians it's amazing absolutely amazing it's like, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I'm in prison. Rejoice. He's in prison. He doesn't even mention, like, hey, pray for me, guys. It's getting getting hard in here. <laughs> They're not, you know, the meals are not five-star, you know. I don't have a TV. I don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, he's, it, it's in Philippians, he's in jail, and he's just, He's encouraging, he's admonishing, admonishing the church. He's just lifting them up. It's all about it. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. And he says, you know, listen, guys, I think this is Philippians 1:12. Listen, guys. You know everything I'm going through. I know you're probably feeling bad for me, but don't. Okay? Don't. Everything that's happening to, right, to me right now is advancing the kingdom, it's advancing the gospel. Like, people are hearing about that I'm in prison. They're wondering why I'm in prison. And then Jesus' name's getting talked about. And And then people seeing me in prison, it's making them incredibly bold. It's making them just completely just sell out and just live completely selflessly because they're just seeing how passionate I am about Jesus. It's making them really bold about Jesus. So, guys, do not fret. Do not lose heart. Like, it's all good. It's all good. My eyes are fixed my eyes are fixed on him and they're not going anywhere so faith righteousness this is a part of faith righteousness it cleanses us from an evil conscience you know it talks about this let's go ahead and read hebrews 10:22 hebrews 10 is amazing it says let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, that's confidence, that's trust, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's read Hebrews 1. Let's back up. I'm going to read Hebrews 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near, so just... A quick kind of in context, it's talking about the Day of Atonement. Once a year, the children of Israel would, the high priest would offer uh, a spotless lamb, and it was the cleansing for the entire nation. Even the sorriest Israelite, <laughs> even that guy, got cleansed of all their all their trespasses, all their sin, all their iniquity. It was the one day that you didn't have to offer your sacrifice. You didn't have to offer, you know. You, so that guilt and all that shame could be removed it's the one day that the high priest would go on your behalf and offer it for you so that all that stuff stuff that you put in your bucket all that garbage that you put in your bucket that's been holding you back from having a relationship with God he's like all right that guy's going to take your bucket and he's going to throw it away and he's going to make you new and so that. High priest, that's what it's talking about, would do that one time a year, verse two. And you know we have a better high priest now. His name is Jesus. Uh, Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. And I just started to think about that word a few weeks ago, consciousness of sins. Do verse three. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. You know, there is a place in this faith righteousness, in this truth, an empowerment to not even be conscious of sin. We teach people to be conscious of their sin. You know, this is Old Covenant. This is the law. It was set up. It was it was a garden. It was a garden. It was a guardian, it was a tutor until the time of Christ. That's what Galatians 3 talks about. that what the law was used for, the purpose of it was to point us to Jesus. That was the purpose of the law. It was the purpose of the sacrifices. It was always to point us to Jesus. We need a sufficient sacrifice. We need a high priest that's never going to die, that his reign is going to last forever, that he's holy, he's blameless and he's righteous before God perfect spotless in every way behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world so i was thinking about i've been thinking about this sin consciousness i've been thinking about it and thinking about what it would li- what would my life look like living without a consciousness of sin you know it's not waking up where you're trying not to sin you're not you're you're not trying to just do good. You're not trying, but there's not even awareness of it. You think Adam and Eve were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't. I, we're not going to do that." There was such innocence with Adam and Eve before they ate of the tree. They didn't even have an awareness of what sin really even was. And I was thinking about this as I was um, I was driving home one day, and I passed a police officer, one of the. Thousands of police officers in Peachtree City, uh, and uh, so I'm driving by this police officer, and listen, I'm it's like the traffic's back to normal, so it's uh, slow go, so so I'm not you know doing anything, but I I'm just I'm gonna tell them myself I have this this draw as soon as I pass a police officer. I have to look in my rear view. I have to see what they're doing. Are you going to pull me over? Are you going to do it? Is this going to be the day? Why am I thinking that? Why is that even going through my mind? I'm not doing anything wrong. Why is there this draw to see what you're going to do? Who cares what you're going to do? Pull me over. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Why? And I'm like this is crazy. You know, there I, there were days, man. There were days where you did you did not look at the cop. Your friend that looked at the cop, you punch him. Cuz dude, you're going to get us in trouble. You're giving yourself away. You look at the cop and you're like, "No, they're up to no good." <laughs> it's true, it happened. The guy would be the friend in the back seat, we pass the cop. We're up to no good, bad, <laughs> zeros. <laughs> pass the cop. The, back, the friend in the back seat, we turn around and look. <laughs> Dude, what are you doing? Whoop. Yeah, that was a no good day. So we have this drawl. It's the sin consciousness, this drawl. Uh, so imagine this. So I have it in my mind. I, you know, honestly, we, you watch old shows. You don't really remember if they're bad or not. So I don't know if this is a bad show or not. So the 80s show Chips, right? Y'all remember that? So imagine God is like dressed like one of those 80s cops, right? Yeah, right? And he's there and he's. He's, he's ready. He's ready. You're, in your life, you're driving by. You're driving by God. He's, he's all decked out in his gear. He's looking cool. <laughs> but he represents the law, right? He represents the law. And so you have this draw to look at God and say, are you going to pull me over? Are you Are going to pull me over? you Are you going to pull me over? And he's saying, listen, I'm not going to pull you over. I've cleansed you. There's no record of wrong. I'm not even keeping it. And in fact, you know, all your trespasses, they're gone. Because of Jesus and what he's done. So God's never going to write us a ticket. God's not going to pull us over. And listen, I'm not saying that God and through relationship is not going to correct you and do all those things. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's not going to rehearse your sins. He's not going to rehearse your wrongdoings is, you know, as far as our sins are concerned, it's no separation between us and him. And this faith righteousness, this, this faith, I mean, right, faith righteousness, it's believing that we've been made right with God, declared innocent in his sight. Not when we do, not, you know, not when we've got all our ducks in a row. Not when we've done everything right. Not when we've read our Bible, you know, an hour a day or we've prayed or we've done all that. Right now, you know, God, in my very worst moment, God loved me. God poured out his love for me and it absolutely changed my life. You know, God's love for me is the same in this very moment with me preaching the gospel. You know, As the same it was when I was hooked on drugs, going nowhere, had no purpose, didn't care about anybody else, completely lived self-centered, self-serving, self-preserving. In that same moment, God loved me. And it was a moment when I felt sorry and so many of us have the same same story. We, We recognized our need. We recognized I need some help, I can't do this on my own, I need something to fulfill me, I need something to bring me up, I need something that's gonna change the desires on the inside of me, I need something that's gonna make me a new creation where old things are gonna pass away and all things are gonna become new. I need something that I can lean all of my weight on and it's not gonna fail, it's not gonna fall. And in that same moment that he loved me that much, he loves me the same today. You know, if I I go read about his love for me tomorrow, how many of you know the word's not going to change tomorrow? It's going to say the same thing. Whether I feel down here or I feel up here, his word doesn't change. It's the same. (sighs) God. I wish I had more time. But we have to put on this righteousness. And He talks about it in Ephesians 4, 24. It says, put on the new man that's been created in true righteousness and holiness. You know, I looked up that word put on. It means to sink into as if a garment. You know, like you put on your PJs or... Put on something that's real nice, nice clothing. You sink into it. Righteousness looks good on you. Yeah. Nothing else belongs on you. Shame, fear, worry, unrest, uncertainty, self—this self-consciousness—that paralyzes. Listen, I know. And I'm honestly, I'm telling you, like, if we can get a hold of this. This truth, like literally, I'm just real quickly, I'll just share real quickly, thank you for your time. You know, before last night, I was tired and things going on and some people said certain things and I just started to roll into kind of, it made me start questioning, start doubting, start looking inward and wondering if I had anything to say. Do I have something to say? Yeah. And, I, and, and when you establish truth in your life, it says, for freedom sets you free. The truth shall set you free. And when that truth is established in your life, there's 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 an anchor and when those feelings come and you've established yourself in this righteousness and then this truth you know it took me a while but then I recognized the thoughts that I've allowed and you get tired and it makes it susceptible for yes. those thoughts to kind of just just kind of ease their way in you know that the devil is he's cunning he's deceptive ah Those thoughts came in, they creeped in, and I recognized them. I said, no, you're a lie. These are not my thoughts. These do not belong to me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. I will not be a victim to my feelings. I will not be a victim to my emotions. God created them, and they're meant to serve you and not meant to serve the devil. And I just started to declare his goodness. I just started to declare his faithfulness. We drove through Wendy's. I made sure. I said, Jesus loves you so much. He cares about you. They were freaked out. (laughs) Listen. I you know I don't care if it's your heart. I don't care if it's the enemy. It doesn't really matter. It's the stranger's voice. Whether or not doesn't matter. It's strange, and it ought to be strange. And there's a voice that we follow, and it's the voice of our shepherd. And his voice should never be strange. His voice is always declaring truth. And if you can grab a hold of this, when those emotions and those feelings, you just say, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what I'm feeling. I don't care what's going on. I declare the truth. And bam, yeah, my emotions didn't respond immediately. I'm just like, I'm going to get outside of myself. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. And bam. You know, what's interesting is I felt so tired. And then in a moment, man, I was (laughs) awake. But guess what, I I slept great last night, slept good. I woke up and there was this this abiding fear and anxiety and doubt and all these kind of, and I could feel it. How many of y'all know you can feel that stuff, man? And I'm like, what in the world? Strange. Strange. Ought to be strange. Devil, you messed up now. I know too much. It's strange, and I recognize it's strange. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling this. I'm just going to go for a walk. I went to the lake, and I went to the dock, and there's people out there. I just got on my knees, and I just lifted my hands to Jesus, and I just started to thank him for who he is. just started to thank him for what he's done in my life. And I just started to thank him that he's transforming my life. And I just thank you for what you're doing in my life. I think I'm not the same person. I'm a brand new person. I'm a new creation. God, I just lay down my life to you. I just lay down. I give my rights to you. I surrender. The only right that I have is to be your child. And I just surrender everything to you and I just worship you regardless of how I'm feeling right now. I don't care. Your word is true and you never fail. Your love never fails. And I just thank you for that, God. And I just give you my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And it's like, (laughs) it's like the veil that was there just was removed. Um, The emotions that are creeping in into this country right now are veiling people's eyes. Do not be deceived. Do not lose heart. Fix your eyes on the King of Kings. Fix your eyes on the Lord of Lords. With that, we'll end. So we thank you, Lord. Man, we thank you for the gift of righteousness, God. I just thank you that your words, it's your words, they're your words, Father. I just thank you that every, I thank you that hearts are receptive, Just right now in your own heart, just make a decision. I'm going to be established in this. I'm going to give my life for this. That you've declared me righteous in your sight. That you've, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. That's what your word says. I'm standing on it. I'm letting it become an anchor in my life. I'm making a decision that I will not be dominated and ruled by just my feelings. I'm not going to be dominated by my emotions, but my emotions are created to serve you. We just thank you for the grace for that, the supernatural empowerment that comes from knowing your love. That's the starting place that we go to, is that God, you love me. Regardless, if I don't feel loved, God, you love me. And I just remember your, what you've done for me each and every day. And I could say today is the happiest day of my life, regardless of what's going on, because today I know you better than I did yesterday. Wow. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you guys. shall let me share my heart.